backfill for this this morning as we look at this. Um, I, I titled it uh, Mission Impossible because for me, I don't know about you, as I've, if I've been studying Romans chapter 12, I mean, you know, everything that, that chapter 13 is to the book of 1 Corinthians, right, the love chapter, you know, Romans chapter 12 is to the book of, of Romans. It, it's all about love. This whole chapter is about love. And, and I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, you know, from the, the hit television show, you know, Mission Impossible. And, uh, you know, that, you know, this mission, if you choose to accept it, you know, it's kind of how I started the service. And it's kind of what Paul is, is saying here, you know, as a believer, if you, if you choose to accept the mission, you know, our life is to be on mission. You know, we don't have to call ourselves missionaries. Uh, we don't even have to call ourselves ministers because it's just what we do. You know, I love one, one author that I like to read. He said, you know, instead of calling ourselves missionaries and calling ourselves ministers, we should just say, hey, it's Monday, you know, or it's Tuesday. And I love that because th that's what it is. It's about practical living. This, this chapter, as I've shared with you, really is about love in action. You know, Paul is just putting feet to what it really means to, to be a follower of Jesus. And so today I titled it Mission Impossible because the progression of this chapter, if you've been with us, it, it focuses first on our relationship with the Lord. You know, Paul says that, you know, he says, I beseech you, you know, therefore, brethren, he said, by the mercies of God, that you would present yourself, you know, to God as a living sacrifice. So it's personal first that, that we would love God by giving ourselves to him because of what he has given to us. And then the, the natural outgrowth of that love um, put into action would be how we treat one another here in the church. And then, you know, as we get that down, it's kind of like, you know, Jesus said, you know, you'll be, you'll be ministers to me, he said, in both Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world, right? So there's a progression, you might say. There's, a, there's an outworking, you know, of, of our faith. And then it, it's not just for those of us in the church, but then we saw... Uh, that it it focuses on those that are outside the church. But then it gets to today, and that's why I titled it Mission Impossible. It's the love that you and I should have really for the enemies of Christ, for our enemies. And you might think, well, you know, I don't really have an enemy, but you really do. You, you might just not have met them yet, per se. And we'll, we'll look at that, you know, in Scripture and what is it, and really what does it say. But let's take a moment and we'll pray and just ask, ask the Lord to be our teacher today. Ask him to open our hearts and our minds uh, to what he wants to show us and then and really to give us the strength and the courage and sometimes especially this time of year because when things should just be so you know I mean you think of the joy to the world you know that Jesus his birth has brought but there's just so many people that are antagonistic to the gospel I mean you remember not too long ago that you know you if you said Merry Christmas in a store you were confronted right with it's happy holidays, you know, and then so we got in this cultural battle, you know, we'd somebody say, well, when they say to you, happy holidays, you go, no, Merry Christmas, you know, and, and, and it's like totally taint the whole gospel thing, but it becomes a, it becomes a war, right? And, and we, we get that and we understand it. And, and so there, there's so much I know that the Lord wants to reveal to us uh, that will help us to to look to him, to trust him, and not to look to ourselves and not to rely upon ourselves and not to think that this is something, you know, that we, we have to work up within ourselves because if we're really honest, we can't. I, I, can't, I can't love like Jesus loves unless I'm filled with God's spirit, which God provides for us. You know, I, I can't, as Paul said, you know, don't be conformed to the world there in verse two in Romans 12. He said, but be transformed, you know, by the renewing of our mind. I, I can't, 
I can't think Jesus' thoughts without reading Jesus' words and coming to a place where I understand what Jesus, you know, it's that old expression, what would Jesus do, right? And you go, well, it's, it's right there in Scripture what Jesus would do, and not to take that for granted. And so let's uh, just pray and ask the Lord to do that today. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come together to worship you in singing, to worship you in our giving, to worship you, Lord, as we open up your word and, and think about it and study it. Um, and Lord, we thank you for just the power, Lord, of your presence, Lord, the, the difference you make in our lives, the difference you make in this world. We thank you for the power of prayer. And uh, Lord, just the praise reports to hear today of just your healing and Lord, just the way you sustain our lives. And Father, there's so much to be thankful for. And Lord, we do, we count our blessings this week. And Lord, we're just so appreciative that God, you would love this world so much that you would send your son, that you would send Jesus to us, that you knew our greatest need, Lord. It was forgiveness. And so Lord, you came to live and to die and to rise again for us. What a gift, Lord, a gift that just keeps on giving. And so let that uh, dominate our thoughts uh, today as we read your word. May it encourage us. Lord, bring conviction, all the things that, Lord, you desire. And conviction, I don't mean in a negative way, but conviction in a very powerful and a positive way to live for you, to live for the things, Lord, of your kingdom. And so we set our, our mind on the things up above and not on the things of this earth. They'll be there when church is over today. And Lord, just thank you for this time that we have as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, like I said, you know, Paul's saying, hey, this, you know, is your, your mission if you would so choose uh, to accept it. And my hope and my prayer today is that you have accepted it and your desire is to walk with him. And, and like I said, when you look at this, this chapter, really, it really deals with love. It's the love that we share inside the church with those that are outside. And then even those that are further outside, like I said, you know, the enemies of, of Christ uh, himself. And so what Paul is, is doing here, you know, he's reminding, you know, this church in Rome, this is really, you know, an, an impossible thing to do if you really think about who Paul is writing to, because he's writing to the church that's located, where's it at? In Rome. And if you're familiar with what was going on at Rome at that time, uh, there was tremendous hostility towards believers. It's interesting, if you want to get a, an idea of what Rome might have been like, I can tell you, look at modern-day China, if you, in all sincerity. You know, the Romans lived under, it was called the Pax Romana. It was called, you know, uh, peace by decree. It, it was illegal to, to rise up against the government and to have an insurrection of sorts. And if you did, you paid the penalty, and that penalty most of the time was death. You know, Jesus wasn't the first, you know, you say naked Jew to be crucified uh, there in Rome. Uh, many Jews were, were crucified. Uh, Any time that a Jew rose up against the Roman government, they just didn't tolerate it. You know, it's like Paul would say, hey, I was, I was beaten. You know, how many times was he, he flogged or he was beaten? He said, you know, with how many, how many stripes? He said, you know, 40 minus what? One. And why, why do you think that was so important, you know, for the Romans, you know, when they inflicted, you know, pain or for the Jews at that, that fact, you know, to bring pain upon another person, you know, 
if it was 40 stripes, they realized that's probably where it was going to kill them. And so the Romans knew that, you know, in order to not kill them, it was 40 minus one. So the point is, is that they, they were very good at torture and they took it right to the brink of, of death. And so, again, Paul is writing to an audience that's very familiar with what it is to live in such a hostile environment, something that you and I don't really know uh, to that kind of degree. It's not to say that it's not coming. We kind of see it percolating. Um, you know, obviously, Scripture says, you know, that day is coming uh, for us. But uh, like I said, we live relatively in a very, you know, peaceful nation in, in a sense, you know, in comparative to what it was, like I said, uh, under Rome in those days. I'm reminded what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, yes, he says, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, what does he say is going to happen? You will suffer. He didn't say you necessarily are, but you will suffer persecution. And, and so here's the thing about being proactive. And this is really what this comes down to. And I love this about God. You know, it, we've all been caught off guard, right? Have you ever had been caught off guard and you didn't kind of respond the way that you, you wish that you had? You kind of walked away and you, and you thought about it and you went, man, I could have handled that a lot better, right? Well, that's one of the great blessings of studying the Word of God is that we become proactive, is that we can read the Word of God and we, we can begin to go, okay, then if this happens, God, this is how I would like to respond. And what is it? It's called disciple. It's called discipline. You develop those disciplines. So when those things come, you know what to do in that situation or that circumstance. And that's really what Romans chapter 12 is all about. He's going, this, this is how, you know, our love is put into action. I shared with you, you know, a couple of weeks ago, that word persecute, you know, in the Bible, it means to drive out. And it's such a powerful vision if you think about that, because that's what happens when you're persecuted, whether it be at work or in school or in society, in your own neighborhood. Because what somebody's trying to do is to drive you out. They either want to drive you out so that you don't speak or they literally want to drive you out. They want you to go away. And, and so Paul you know, is making this clear that you know, if, we're, if we're living in godly in Christ Jesus, there's going to be those that are going to come against you and they're going to seek to drive you out. And then again, one of the, the ways that Paul says that we're to respond to people you know, that, that try to drive us out is to bless them. And I shared with you that, that word, you know, bless in scripture means to bestow a good. So in the sense, it's what? It's to do the very opposite of what they're doing to you. And, and again, and if your head isn't on, you know, then that's not the natural response. Like I said, how many had siblings growing up? Yeah, and if, you're, if your brother or your sister hit you in the arm, you know, what did you do? Did you turn around and go, mom, could we get them some candy? Could we, you know, someone needs a hug, you know? I always like that scene from Elf, right? And he's walking through the, the forest and the little raccoon, like I said, is there. And oh, someone needs a hug. And then he bends down and that thing's on his face. And you go, we don't normally respond, you know, with a hug, do we? I, I have two older sisters and a younger brother. And when we would get in a fight, if one hit you once, you'd hit him back how many times? Twice, at least, right? You know, yeah, yeah, Lonnie's seven. Because that's the Lord's number, you know, as a believer, yeah. But, but what do we do? You know, Scripture says to bestow a good upon them. And yet, you know, 
How do we do this? You know, you look at there, and if you're in your Bible, look there in verses 9 through 13 in Romans chapter 12, because he's talking about how we respond to each other. And so Paul started with this. He says, you know, hate what's evil, but what? You know, cling to what is good. You know, be devoted to one another. And that was a family term of being genuine in your affection. Show affection to each other and be diligent in serving each other would be the third thing there. You know, don't give up on people is what Paul was saying. That, that's how we show our love. That's love in action. So we rejoice in hope. He says, be enthusiastic, you know, about your, your love for people. And by all means, do what? Keep praying for people. Don't stop praying for people because guess what? You can't hate people that you pray for. And then he said, you know, with regard to our relationships in the churches, be a giver, not a taker. I shared with you the word hospitality. It's where we get our English word hospital is that our home should be a hospital for people. Church should be a hospital for people. I like those signs on churches where it says, you know, like perfect people aren't welcome in one sense, you know. I mean, there's no perfect people, so I get it, but it does drive off, you know, that occasional 1%, you know, that, well, I guess that church isn't for me, you know, type of thing. Or even theologically speaking, because we are perfect in Christ Jesus, right? But, but I get the point. They're going, you know what? We want people who are struggling. We want people who, to the rest of the world, are outcast. They're downcast. Because that's the type of people Jesus came. Jesus said, you know, I didn't come to call the righteous. He said, I came to call sinners to repentance. He said, you know, sick people need a physician, not people who are well. And he's the great physician. So all these things, you know, that Paul says, this is how we should treat, you know, one another. And, and again, and, and, and I think about, you know, that, that word, you know, hospital and the gift of hospitality. And, you know, you think about in Luke chapter 7, here's a little thought when you think about Christmas time. Where was Jesus born? It's not a deep question. Where was he born? Yeah, in a manger, in an inn. You know, he wasn't born in an inn, right? And what did it say in Luke 2, 7? It says, he was born in a manger because there was no what? Room in the inn. Yeah. I mean, wow. Can you imagine being that innkeeper? You know, and then your sign out front, this is the place that turned Jesus away. You know, I mean, it's like, like to get that day back, wouldn't they? You know, I mean, because if you go to Israel today, every place that Jesus went is what? It's a holy site. And guess what? Major tourism. I mean, and now they go, yeah, where was, where was the inn, where, excuse me, where was the manger where Jesus was born? Everybody's going, no idea. Where was the inn? It's gone too. No memory, you know, of it. That's something about, you know, that gift of hospitality, having our hearts open to him. You know, Jesus will always come to a heart that's open. You know, again, Revelation chapter 3 tells us he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks is there room in the inn? Is there room in your heart for him? And if you'll open the door, he says, he'll come in. It's really that simple. And then Paul goes on in verses uh, 14 through 16. You know, we looked at this just a couple weeks ago. And this is kind of our love and how we show our love for the outside world. If you were here with us, he said, you know, there's really four things here. The number one would be that we bless those that, that hurt us, right? We don't curse them, but we, we seek to bless them. And then, and then, and again, he's talking about people who aren't your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are people in the world, okay? 
The second thing, you know, that we set out to heighten people's highs and lessen their lows. So what do we do? When people are hurting, we come alongside them, you know, and we try to help them. If they're celebrating, hey, we come and we, we celebrate with them. The third thing, you know, that we seek common ground, you know, that we, we look not for the things that divide us. Because you think about that in the world today, right? And you can see, you know, the evil in the world today because even we can see that within the church as well is that people that are always trying now, and this is one of the signs of the time, Jesus said, in the last days, he said, you know, men will be lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God, right? And he said, and the love of many people, he said, will wax cold. And so one of the things, and you'll see this even in the church, is that you're going to find people that are trying to divide people. And, and they're going to try to do this by putting you in a certain category, right? So what is your gender, right? Um, you know, uh, are you vaccinated or not vaccinated? You know, it's, everything is about being in this grouping, right? Are you a Christian or are you a non-Christian? Are you a Republican? Are you a Democrat? You know, I mean, and you think, what's your position on, you know, LGBTQT and, you know, you know everything is about trying to do what? Conquer and divide, conquer and divide, because that's how the enemy wins. The enemy can't win when people are united, okay? And so you can see what Paul is shooting for here is that we would have, as a church, a united front, that we'd be very, very, you know, prevy to the ways of the enemy working in the world today. So when you think about things that are trying to, again, in Ephesians 4 makes this perfectly clear. When Jesus came, says he came to break down every wall of separation, right? And Paul is using the analogy there of the temple. When you had the court of the Jews, the court of the women, you had what was called Solomon's court, which was, you know, outside the walls of the church there where everybody in the community could come. And it says, and when, when Jesus comes, he's breaking down every one of those walls. So that now there's free access into what? into the holy place. Remember when Jesus was crucified, it says that the veil of the temple was torn, not from bottom to top with human hands, but it was that 18 inch veil. Think about that, that separated the holy place from the most holy place, tore from top to bottom, making a way and having access into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus Christ. He came to unite us, but our world today, and the church is, is and unfortunately in many ways, we're playing into that. And, and again, it isn't about choosing sides. And that's hard to do because you're going to get pressure. And when you, don't, when you don't toe the line, what happens? Those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. Where did the greatest persecution in Jesus' life come from? His own family. His own family, his own people. He was rejected by the Jews, right? And you go, and so here, you know, Paul is, you know, remind us, seek common ground. And then I shared with you, you know, last, a couple weeks ago, the, the fourth point in that was, you know, have a big heart, but not a big head. You know, don't, don't be so proud that, you know, you, you only pick certain people that you'll, you'll associate with, or you'll be around, but that you'd be around anybody, anytime, any place. Nobody is too good. Nobody is too bad. And you go, why? Because every single human being has worth. See, and we say that as a church, right? Oh, we believe in right to life. And when does a baby have a right to life? What, what do we tell people? When, when does a baby have a right to life? At, at conception, right? We say, and then and people say, well, it doesn't have the breath of life. And you go, so every, it does, because it has to, I go, you know, excuse me. I go, if you cut off the oxygen supply to that child, guess what? 
it'll die. So you'll cut off the oxygen supply to its mother, and guess what? The baby goes too. So everything that has breath, yes, it's God who gives breath to that life. You go, but we'll protect that, right? We're going, this baby, you know, in, in a womb here. And you go, and yet we can go, but that person, I mean, they're worthless. They're a bum. They're a waste of life. And you go, no, 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 they have a pulse. They're, they're important to God. Jesus died for that person on the cross just as he died for us. See, we create our own separations, don't we? There's so much prejudice in the world, and it's in all of our hearts. I, I've shared with you a great book, if you want to read it in, in 2023, is Accidental Pharisee. You know, it's so easy for us. There's a Pharisee that lives in the heart of every single believer. And again, until we recognize that, you know, it's like Paul said, for the grace of God, what? Go why? And again, so this is what, you know, Paul, you know, was really pushing us to understand you know, Jesus, I mean, put it like this. He said in John 13, 35, he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. Our love, more than anything else, would prove that we're his disciples. And then he puts some qualifiers on love. So buckle up. Let me read these couple of passages from Jesus, right? Oh, and by the way, these are not suggestions, Okay. You can sit here today and you, uh, you know, these are not suggestions. These are commands of God, okay, for me and you. These are not take it or leave it like some people, mm, you know, I don't really, first, I don't really believe that. Okay, Luke chapter 6, verse 32 through 36, Jesus says, If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to only those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? For even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Look what Jesus says. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. It says, then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And we all said, amen. You know, you go, no, what do I say? I go, that's impossible. And the kids be honest about it. You go, that's impossible. I mean, you're called, Lord, that's impossible. And it is in my flesh or in your flesh. Matthew 5, 43 through 48 puts it like this. It says, you've heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, who are trying to what? Drive you out. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amen. You know, now, Lord, that is impossible. What you're calling me to do, imagine those that were seated there. This is basically Jesus' first sermon, right? Walks out there and it's like, wow, man. 
my natural response, like I said, to what Jesus was saying, what Paul is saying, is I'm going, Lord, that is impossible. Yet, Jesus says to me, to you, Matthew 19, 26, he says, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Amen? With God, you can say it with me, with God, everything is possible. And that's so, so important to know. And why? You know, the Apostle Paul telling us of the possibility here, is because of what happened, you know, that Paul spoke of in Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Remember that? So we studied this. He said, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. It says, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He's not calling me or he's not calling you to love people with our own love. That's what we try to do. See, we well up our own kind of love. No, God wants us to love them with a love that only comes from heaven, that overflows our life. And I can't give you what I don't have. It has to come from God. And we can tell if we have it or not, because does, does God's love run out? No. Does your love run out? Yeah. Does mine? Yeah. And you go, that's not God's love. See, I used to teach this to our kids. I go, what's the difference between lust and love? They look exactly the same on the front end. Right? I did singles ministry for years. They go, you know, Pastor Mike, how do you know lust from love? And I go, they both burn bright. They look exactly the same. But you can always tell lust after a while, right? Because lust does what? Burns out. But love keeps burning bright. I said, lust is like a nine volt battery. And, and, and love, God's love is like what? It's being alternating currents, like being plugged into the wall, right? And you go, well, but they, they, they look the same. And you go, right. So there's one thing that, that you can do. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. He says, he's, the first demarcation of love is love is what? Patient. Patient. Love is kind. Yeah, so you go, okay, well, love's not in a hurry then. So instead of, you know, pushing people or being so, because we're in such a hurry, you look at what's going on, you know, it's Christmas time, right? going to store. I mean, I, I was, my wife and I, we were in Los Angeles Friday. And I was, I was <laughs> just telling people it was so funny, you know, it's a good thing with, it's like when you're on a date, right? Like if you're on a date, you know, when you were, you know, with a guy or a girl and you're trying to impress them, I mean, hopefully you're not just going to go berserk, you know, like you're in a parking garage, like we were and all of a sudden just start honking the horn, get out of the way. Cause you know, you're kind of sending a signal of you know, really. And uh, so Lee and I were just sitting there we're going, We'll get out of here eventually. And we were watching people and they were literally getting out of their parked cars and they were walking to the front and we could see him, you know, cause you could see the hand language. Well, the guy that the poor kid, you know, probably was new, had no clue what he was doing. He was letting all the traffic that was in this lane all go out Well, we were on this side. So he had his back to us and he's just going like this all night. Right. So finally the people in our world, they go, uh, excuse me. Could you like, you know, like in most places, you know, you let one car go, then you let one another, right? And you could just, and you could see the sign language from people and they were ticked. I mean, it was like, ah, and you go, so what do you do? And you go, patience of all the things. I mean, you think about that in your own life. You know, the biggest mistakes we make when it comes to love is due to our impatience more than anything else. It's just a great reminder at Christmas. You know, you, you want to stand out. In the, in the world this Christmas is be patient. People are going to go on, you're either on drugs or, you know, because they're going, how, how can you, how can you do that? Right? 
And you go, how can we? There's only one way. And that's God's kind of love being poured out in our hearts and in our lives. And I love how he says this. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love overflowing. That's, that's what God wants to do. And so when you look at verses 17 through 21 here in Romans chapter 12, like I said, it's, it's an impossible task without the help of God. I mean, the, I mean, I get it, you know, as Paul would write, you know, for a righteous man, somebody might dare die. But, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So this is along those lines. How do we love, you know, not the church, not even those that are just outside the church, maybe to the next door. He's talking about how do you love the very enemies of the church, the enemies of God, your enemy and my enemy in Christ Jesus. How should we respond? Look what he says there. We'll just read these verses. We'll go back through it. He says, never pay back in verse 17, evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. And if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And remember, these aren't suggestions. They're commands. And you know, what I found interesting as I was studying this, and, and maybe this is just for me, maybe you can relate. You know, Paul gives us what we would call negative commands. There's three negative commands here. So instead of focusing on what you should do when you're dealing with your enemy, is he starts with what you shouldn't do. Now that might not mean a lot to you, but it means a lot to me because of how I learn a lot of things in life. Um, you know, I, when, when something happens like that. And I want to respond in a very sinful way. And I don't know if you can even relate to this or not. Maybe you're just all perfect saints and you don't even have bad thoughts, but I do. Okay. And, and I want to sometimes take revenge. I, I confess that I'm smiling, but not because I'm happy about it. It's how I protect my insecurity. And uh, no, but I'm, but, but, but think, think of when I, when I want to seek revenge, like I get a voice in my head. I don't know about you guys, but the voice, always, I mean, it's 100% of the time. And that's how I know it's God, okay? Every time when I want to do something, that voice goes, Michael, don't do it. Don't, it always, it's not like, I never hear God going, Mike, do this, right? And I'm talking about this moment where something bad could happen really quickly. Does anybody else have that, that voice in your own name? Not Michael, I mean, but you hear your voice. You know, and you hear it, and, 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 but it's like my, it's like I can hear it, like my mom, you know, it's like her voice. Mom, you know, is that, is that, no, no, because my mom, like said, she'd just go, it'll be okay. And then she'd tell me a million things. But, but God, on the other hand, he just goes, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And so I love this, you know, when I look at what Paul says. So these negative commands, look there, verses 17, 19, and 21. He says, don't pay back evil with more evil. There in 17, 19, he says, don't avenge yourself. Verse 21, don't let evil win. So you look there you know, in verse 17, never pay back evil with more evil. So we all understand eye for an eye, right? You get that. I get that. Like I said, my brother, you know, he'd hit me in the arm. What do I do? I don't hit him back just once. I hit him back twice. It's more. I'm going to do more evil. You're going to do that? 
And we, and we have that. There's, there's bumper stickers, payback's uh, something, you know, bad word. You know, and people, they get it in society. They go, oh, you do that to me, man. I'm telling you, you're going to bring down the wrath of God. We get religious even in those moments, right? Yeah, it's going to, I'm going to open up a can. You, you do not, you do not want to go down that road with me. Verse 19, the second thing that we see says, dear friends, never take revenge. Let that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. What's Paul reminding us there? God keeps perfect score. Aren't you glad for that? And why is it better? Think about this. Why is it better to let God judge than to judge ourselves? Why would you think that? There's a couple reasons you think about scripturally. One is God is omnipresent. Why? Why is God in the sense he's everywhere and God is omniscient, he's all-knowing? Why, why would that be so important when you think about judging people? You know, especially God's omniscience there. Have you ever made a judgment that seemed right only to find out that it was wrong later on? When you got just a little bit more information and you go, yeah, it happens all the time. That's the beauty of trusting God. God sees everything. And like I said, he keeps perfect score. And the second thing is God is unbiased. None of us are unbiased. You know, that's right. You know, you think about it in a, as an example, you know, a judge who, who gets robbed, right? Somebody breaks into his house, steals all of his stuff, steals, you know, all of his, you know, family memorabilia, you know, destroys things that, you know, that have been handed down from generation to generation. It's gone, right? And then he gets caught. And then he goes to court and the judge whose house got robbed, that guy's in that guy, in that judge's courtroom. Do you think that guy's going to get a fair trial? Oh, no, but that judge is looking forward to it, right? Ha, ha, ha. You know, because what? He's going to drop the hammer. But by law, what is the judge supposed to do? He's supposed to recuse himself, right? Because why? Because he's not unbiased. Well, you and I, we are very biased about when we're hurt, when, when people do us wrong. I mean, man, things, like I said, they well up within us. We wouldn't even, we would not even want to confess the things that go through our heart and our mind. But they do. But then to trust God and go, God is unbiased. And like I said, he keeps perfect score. The third thing we see there is, you know, in verse 21, don't let evil conquer you. Like I said, we, we live in a world that can only succeed if we allow ourselves to be divided. And it's happening. We see it more and more. Like I said, every day, race, gender, like I said, sexual orientation, political ideology, vaccination status, you know, anything. And the only thing that should divide us, there should be something that divides us. Paul said it. He said, I don't look at any man any longer according to the flesh. What, what do you mean by that? And he goes, I only see people in one of two ways. You're either a Christian or you're a non-Christian. That's it. That, that's the only division in, in how you should relate or treat people. I like that, that quote. It says, first act in love and your feelings will follow. It's so true. You know, in the final analysis, you know, love has little to do with our moods or affections, our affinities. You know, our job is to what? It's to love others without stopping to inquire you know, whether or not they're worthy. They're worthy because God says they're worthy. So Paul then gives us three positive commands, you could say, on those same verses. Look at the backside of verse 17. He says, do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable, right? Do, do things in such a way that people can see that you're honorable because it'll be such a contrast, right? I mean, if they're seeing, you know, it's like they're in the, in the, 
in the garage, you know, if, if everybody, you know, is, is bumper to bumper, right? They're just on the bumper of the person that's next to them. And there's a, there's a, a car sitting on the side and the person's just sitting there with their hands on the wheel and a hundred cars have passed. And all of a sudden you stop and you let the car go in. You go, does that make you different from everybody else? You go, how hard was that? I mean, how, how, how hard is it to let one car? No, it's not that hard. What's hard is when that idiot who you let in then does the same thing for the car in front of him. And then that idiot does it for the car that's in front of him. Look what you started. And right then you're back where you first started. You're not moving. Do you get that? No, because that's... <laughs> That's my law. That's, I, just, I just wanted you to know my logic, okay? That's how I start looking at stuff. I go, Leo, why don't you let him in? Honey, huh, huh, let me just tell you right now. Been down that road. You know, what's that? I've been burnt before many times. And I go, if I let this guy in, I go, you know what's going to happen? He's going to go, you know what? That was real nice of him. I'm going to let the other guy in. Then I go, so the guy behind me, is, look what he's thinking about me. I go, so, no. I, and, but I get it. I totally, like I said, I can look at it from every angle. And you go, it's always, it's always worth it. People will definitely notice a difference. You notice it right away when somebody treats you with kindness or they treat you with love. The second thing, you know, Paul, the positive commands there in verse 18, look at that. He says, do all that you can to live in peace with everybody, right? You know, remember, remember, look at it again. Verse 18, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone, right? So what is he doing? Think about this. I mean, who's he dealing with? Remember, he's in Rome, right? He's talking to Roman Christians. Remember, over one quarter of the entire population is made up of slaves. Slaves. And he's going, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. You're being treated like a slave. But you know what? But, but remember that. And everything that's in your power, be peaceable. I like what in verse 18 in the New King James Version, if you have that translation, it says, if it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. And, and I like the way that the New King James puts it because there's two things that it becomes very clear in that text. One, it's possible. Guess what? Peace is possible, but it's conditional, right? I mean, both people have to want it. That's what we've got to understand. Both people have to want it. And secondly, you know, somebody has to take the initiative. And guess who he's called to take the initiative? Believers. We're called to take the first step. See, it's easy to respond. Like, well, if they're nice to me, I'll be nice to them. And you go, no, that's not what he said. Take the initiative. Take the first step. Lead, lead the way as much as it's possible with you. So from your equation, you're going, I'm not going to be the one who holds it up here. Oh, some of, they did be wrong. But you know what? If they come and ask for forgiveness, I'll forgive them. No, he, Paul's reversing. He goes, how about this? Someone has done you wrong. You go to them and just say, hey, I just want you to know I love you and I forgive you. <laughs> no, because that'll be a license, right? What if I did that? You know what they'd probably do? They'd probably do it again. You know, how many times have we gone back to the Lord? Sorry, again. Sorry, again, you know, does God ever turn us away? And you go, no. Why? Because he's always taken the initiative. You know, it was really interesting in this. I want just to digress here for a second. 
we were talking about this on Wednesday at Men's Bible Study. So um, we were in the book of Ezekiel. And you remember in the book of Ezekiel when the glory of God departed from Israel? Remember when it left Jerusalem? And, and Ezekiel sees this vision, right, uh, of this chariot. And it's leaving Jerusalem. And it says something very specific in Scripture, if you study this. It says, and he was headed east towards you remember where he was headed? It says, and the glory of God departed Jerusalem and it headed east towards Babylon. Think about that for a second. Where were the children of Israel going to go when they were taken into captivity? Babylon. And then think about this. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in Babylon, and they were before the king, and they wouldn't bow down. We have the first, what we say, Christophany, right, that we see there in Ezekiel, is that there was a fourth man that was in that fire with them. And, and we, we see that in Scripture to be who? Jesus, right? But I want you to think about that. When you think about the initiative of God, see people go, oh, see, the glory of God's departed, Ichabod, you know, and you go, well, wait a second. He went before them. That's what he's, he's always said, that God, would, God will be with you, that he would never leave you, that he would never forsake you. And they go, well, he left. Yeah, because they were leaving. He was going ahead. He was always there. God always takes the initiative. And it was just one of those things as I was studying that last week. It just, it just blew me away. It, just, it was like, wow, God, you, you are so amazing. That even when we, I mean, for Israel, for hundreds of years, they lived in idolatry, right? They were... They were, you know, violating all the, the covenants and the commands of God. But God didn't, didn't reject them, even though that they had rejected him. He disciplined them 70 years, right? They spent in captivity. And then that beautiful verse in Jeremiah 29, 11, You know, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Not of evil, right? Not to harm you, but to prosper you and to give you a hope and a future. You go, yeah, this is a God that takes the initiative. And that's what he's called us to do. Verse 20 goes on in Romans 12. He says, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals. That's how you have to read this. Burning coals of shame upon their heads. I've sat with more people that go, yeah, that's what I'm doing, Pastor Mike. That person did me wrong, so you know what? I'm blessing them because I want to see them burn. I go, that's not what it's saying there. I go, that's like they're taking pleasure from this. You know, I'm not enjoying blessing them at all, you know, but I sure want to see, I want to make them feel like crap. That's what I want to do. I mean, I'm going, wow. And I want you to know, there was nobody in this sanctuary today that, that was in my office and told me that, okay? Don't be looking at each other like that. You go, was it you? Yeah, you know, no. I mean, think about this. So what is Paul, Paul saying is our action should be in sharp contrast to those who would be our enemies. Not like the old you know, Chinese proverb that says, if your enemy wrongs you, buy each of his children a drum. You know, that, that's the mindset that a lot of believers get. Yeah, okay, you know, yeah, payback, payback. No, no, kill them with kindness. See, when you, when you do something good for somebody who's, harmed you, what happens in that moment? You're putting the burden back on them, aren't you? 
There's, there's a burden back on them. They go, oh man, I feel terrible what I did to them. Maybe I should ask for forgiveness. And you go, that's exactly what it was designed to do. Is that you go, kill them with kindness. You, you bless them when they've, they've cursed you. And what happens? Hopefully, the very end, you know, what we see there, we overcome evil with good. That's verse 21. So look at that. He says, and don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Can evil be overpowered? So we have a lot of evil in the world today, right? And so you and I, we're, we're left to really think this through today because we're the, we're, the, we're the change agents. It's not the world. See, Paul said, he started the chapter, he says, you know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is not the way we naturally think, is it? When people do you wrong, do you sit around all day thinking about what you can do to do right for them? Is that your dominant thought? Come on, be honest. Yeah, no. But, but Paul's saying, but it should be. If you want to change the world, instead of complaining, instead of telling everybody, instead of trying to get everybody on your side, you go, man, Lord, what could I do to win them? What could I do to get them on my side? Besides pummeling them into submission, because that's what the Romans did. That was Pax Romana. That was called, what, peace by decree. They were going, you either live peaceable in this community, or guess what? <laughs> we will, you know, light the streets of, of our city with you as, as a lamppost. We'll dip you in pitch, and we'll light you on fire, and you'll provide light for the city. You know, well, not a good way to go. Not what Jesus meant by being the light of the world, okay? That was their idea. And it was costly. But we can overcome evil by doing good. Because why? Because there's freedom in doing the right thing. You ever heard that expression? It's, we see it on social media a lot. That that person, they go, they live in their head. You know, you let people live in your head when they've done you wrong and you haven't forgiven them. And you haven't tried to do right by them. And you go, what a terrible way to punish yourself. And what would you, if they were truly an enemy and they knew that they lived in your head because you let them, the pleasure that they would take from that. God, oh, good. I mean, because we think that in sports, right? They go, hey, you got to get inside their head. You got to, you got to, you know, it's, it's the psychology of it, right? You know, and that's, you dominate, you win them by, you get in their head. Jesus going, the only thing you want in your head is what? Is Jesus. Is that you set your mind on the things up above and not on the things of the earth. And you go, God, you know what, man, my way of thinking is, is so backwards. I need your way of thinking. And so Lord, help change my mind. And then what does he do? He invites you to look at Jesus and you go, watch the way that Jesus treated people. Watch the way Jesus treats people. And that's the call of my life and your life. God, that you would do that work in all of our hearts. That God, we would love people the way that you love people. It's, it's a call to action. That's what Paul's saying. You know, this whole chapter, you know, is, is loving people. Why? He said, in light of the mercies of God, because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross, and what he's done for you, what should be our, and he says, the natural response or the logical, the logical response is to want to love the way that Jesus loves. It's not just going, oh, I'm just glad I'm forgiven and going to heaven. It's like, no, Jesus, I want, I want, to, I want, I want you to make me like you. 
And, and to me, Christmas is one of those times where, man, church, we really have an awesome opportunity to love people the way that Jesus loves people. Because why? Because there's just a lot of mean people in the world. There's a lot of evil in the world. I mean, it wasn't so bad this year because I think of, because of COVID. But, you know, you ever just watch the things about like Black Friday? Like when people would go to stores, I mean, literally get, get killed. They were going Christmas shopping and they were killed. I mean, imagine that. You're, yeah, they were killed at Christmas because they got stampeded. The doors of the store opened and they ran over, you know, my 80-year-old grandmother and, and literally killed her. And you go, for what? And they go, it was a TV. It was on sale for $199. You go, wow, it's just evil but preferring other people in love, overcoming evil with good. That's what Paul says. And where are we going to get that strength? Not for myself, not from you, but from God. May that be our prayer this week. You know, God, you know, I know Christmas can be a hard time, you know, being around family that doesn't get along and in-laws, outlaws, you know, cousins, aunts, uncles, you know, whatever. And for many people, it's just so sad. It's a wonderful thing when you can come together in love. And in the truest sense, you can because the love of God that's in you that flows not only to you, but that can flow from you. But guess what? You got to be prepared. You got to be proactive because if you're reactive, usually when we react, it's usually not good, is it? And so may God help us this week by his spirit to love the way that Jesus loves. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and just thank you. Lord, for what you revealed to us, to love the book of Romans. It's so easy, Lord, as I stand here, this pulpit today, to see why you use this book to bring about revival in the lives of so many believers. Because, Lord, it, it convicts us, it challenges us, Lord. It, it empowers us, it gives us hope. It reminds us of, of how things can be. And so, Lord, those, those are the things, uh, God, that we want for ourselves. We want more of your love. We want more of your power, we want more of your life living in us. And so even as Paul would exhort us in, in Romans 12 here, that, uh, Lord, we give our lives afresh to you this week as a living sacrifice that we might be holy and pleasing to you. God, it, it is. It's just logical to do in light of what you've done for us. Thank you that, uh, God, as we, we read these verses, thank you that we're not saved by works, that we're saved by your grace. Thank you for your mercy in our life. And Lord, may you help us, Lord, by the power of your spirit to be loving this week, to be merciful this week, to be kind, Lord, this week. Because, Lord, the world needs it. Just like it did in the day of the Roman Empire. God, it needs it. Maybe even more today. And so, Lord, thank you for such a time as this that we're here. God, as your ambassadors, use us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, I'll invite you to stand to your feet and we'll send you out with song. Hopefully we'll see you, you know, this week. Again, we've got, you can help us push that out today, you know, on social media with regard to Together We Can. We've got Wednesday night, we've got Saturday night, Sunday morning, caroling this week. So just a lot of stuff going on. Hopefully we'll see you. God bless you.